My name is Shelby Ruiz, and I'm with the Integrated Design and Construction Lab at Washington State University, and you're listening to Building Heroes podcast. Today, we have Matt and Kyle, who are in a different sector than what we would normally talk to, but we're also very excited to hear about how the senior living industry affects everyone, how that affects the built environment, and how we can build community and meaning through these conversations. So Matt, would you like to start by introducing yourself, where you came from, what's important to you, and then we'll hand it off to Kyle. Sounds great. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt Reiners. I'm one of the co-founders of a company called Eversound. and was dedicated really the last seven years of my life to try and improving senior living residents' quality of life by giving them the gift of hearing. But yeah, so we've been doing Eversound for about eight years now and really just passionate about connecting people through digital purposes, whether that's through sound or visual or, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity there. And, you know, happy to share that Eversound was recently acquired by Unigest that believes in connected content, deployed everywhere, engaged audiences. So really excited to be with you here today. And my, my good friend, Kyle, who we go back many years and I will pass the ball to him. Man, congrats again on that big acquisition. Thank it's you. It's got to feel so good still. I'm just happy I don't have any more hair to pull out as in for our listeners, I am bald. So uh, just for the record, <laughs> but yes. Bald and beautiful. Thank um, you. My mom says that too. <laughs> awesome. All right. Hi, everybody. My name is uh, Kyle Rand. I am one of the co-founders and CEO of a company called Rendever. Um, Despite popular belief for Endeavor and Eversound, we were not named at the same time. We just really love the word ever. In general, in this industry, we talk about what the future can look like. And we love to talk about how at Endeavor we're able to deliver shared experiences for people forever throughout the entire lifespan. And that's really what we do at Endeavor. Uh, we have built out an end and virtual reality platform that allows people to travel the world, check off bucket list items, go back to their childhood home really continue to stay engaged and immersed in the world as their physical world might start to shrink. Um, have been doing this similarly to Matt, have been doing this for about seven years now, um, work proudly in the senior living industry to really transform how we think about what aging can look like. I'm really excited to jump into this conversation. Yeah, our ever guys. Wonderful to have you guys both on the podcast. And because this is a little bit outside of our typical industry, why don't one of you Give a really brief overview of what senior living is today and what that means for you know everybody else's daily life. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because I think a lot of society has this kind of decade-old belief that senior living is scary. And uh, Matt, I'm sure you'll agree that senior living today is so different. It's so refreshing. And it's really been built around this idea that as you age, at some point in your aging process, you're probably going to need a little bit more help, right? And at some point, family caregivers might also need a little bit more help. And what senior living provides is this beautiful, vibrant opportunity to move into a community where you're guaranteed really high access, quality access to care, and you're guaranteed access to a community. And a lot of the shift that we've seen over the past 10 years is moving away from the stereotypical idea of like what a nursing home is, right? Sad and stoic and a lot of people just sitting around to something where people can come in, they can move in and they form new human connections and they get to continue to experience really a lot of joy in their day-to-day -day lives. 
while being able to rely on just quality access to care. That's why I love this industry and why I'm really excited about where things are moving because everybody is kind of grasping onto this idea and this understanding that in order to build a good senior living environment, we need to build opportunity for people to connect because the biggest indicator uh, and predictor of longevity for older adults is the quality of their, their human connection, their social structure. Uh, so I, I'm really excited by where the industry has gone. And Matt, I think you'd agree, it is light years different from what people might stereotypically consider. Yeah, I would have to agree. And I think you really just hit the the nail on the head saying it's not scary, right? I think when people think of senior living that don't actively work in it, they're, they, they get this picture of the old nursing home that maybe their grandparent lived in that they were scared to go to that smelled bad. And I think, you know, they still exist, but they're fewer and further between. And senior living is really putting this emphasis on living. And, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with senior living, there's even buckets underneath it with independent living, assisted living, memory care, adult day. Um, you know, there's probably another dozen or so that are out there. And, you know, I think, you know, to, to Kyle's point, echoing some of that, you know, these are all, these are buildings too. And I think you're starting to see some more modern design being put in them to really maximize those social interactions. Because to Kyle's point, right, there's so much data just speaking to the importance of that. And, you know, I think senior living, it's a huge opportunity where, you know, I always like to tell people it's it's business with soul and you can really do anything you want in there and, and feel good about it at the end of the day. Great. Thanks, Matt and Kyle, for that wonderful and touching overview. You know, it's for me, it's also very close to heart. It's It's within my family. It's within my own experiences. And the senior living community idea as, you know, a way to enrich people's lives is also very important to me. So very quickly, I know you guys very briefly touched on this, but what is it that made you invested in this industry in the beginning? How is this close to home for each of you, if you don't mind sharing? <laughs> yeah, of course, I'll, I'll jump in on that one first. So I've got a, a really unique story, you know, and I'll take another like 60 seconds to kind of tell you it. But before Eversound, we had another company that was helping people around the country throw silent disco events. And so Shelby, question back at you, because I know Kyle's done them and participated in them. Do you know what a silent disco is? I do. And I am so invested in this idea. I'm, I really want to have one at my wedding. Like I've been to a few museums whenever I travel, but I always try to sneak in some sort of opportunity to dance, you know? And I, I love the idea of silent discos. I can only imagine how much fun that would be, you know, in a programmed activity or something at a senior living center. Yeah. So I'm so happy you are familiar with it. But for those of our listeners that that don't know what a silent disco is, so imagine a room full of people dancing to no out loud music and everything is being played through wireless headphones. So it's the most absurd thing you would ever come across. Imagine a bunch of people dancing with no music being played and everyone's wearing headphones. But people love it and people use it to get around noise restrictions. People use it to like play different types of audio simultaneously. They can pick what you want referred to as like a DJ battle. And, you know, there's a lot of brand pop-up events that will pop up with this to really just kind of showcase brands being cool and innovative and stuff. And so we, we started a company doing this, gosh, back in like 2012, definitely did not come up with the concept at all. Um, just kind of saw an opportunity and how it was growing over in Europe and, you know, wanted to help bring it here to the States. You know, of course there's other companies already doing it. 
we kind of just put a website up and kept our fingers crossed. And like one of our first clients was the Museum of Modern Art. Cause you mentioned some of the museums there. So it was really cool to work with them. But, you know, like three to four years into that company, senior living kind of just slapped us in the face, whether we liked it or not. So a few things happened simultaneously where we started getting phone calls from senior living communities asking for help. Uh, what they were struggling with was hearing in the group setting. Everyone's hearing was all over the place. You know, think of bingo, right? And people are like, what'd you say? I can't hear you. Or they just didn't come. You know, I know we can't use, I know people are trying to get away from bingo, but I do think a riot will happen if that ever is the case. But, you know, it, it, what we saw is people were looking for a wireless headphone system designed for groups with individual volume control, which is basically a silent disco system. You know, and there's so many communities I've talked to that are built to withstand earthquakes, right? But they haven't really taken in the audio piece and it might not have the best acoustics and stuff, which I'm sure you could probably tell us a lot more about. But it was also around this time that I saw what my own grandmother was going through. And I kind of shared her, her a little bit of her story before. But what I saw with her was that she lived to be 93 years old, lived in a senior living community. And, and honestly, her quality of life sucked. She wouldn't go to programming. She wouldn't go to events. She wouldn't go to mealtimes. And when I try to better understand why it all really came from this idea of, I can't hear what's going on. Why should I even bother? And, and then, you know, so seeing that it was sad, right? She would just isolate herself in her room, blast her television. And that was her quality of life for the last four or five years of her life. And you know, what we started looking into the data uh, was that 80% of people over the age of 85 have some sort of hearing loss, about one in five that could benefit from a hearing aid or actually using it on a consistent basis. And then we just started walking to a bunch of demos, didn't really know any better. And like, we'd have staff coming up and crying. We'd have residents coming up and thanking us saying that they've been going to this meeting for seven years. This is the first time they were able to hear everything. And it's really just set us on a crash course over the last seven years where Jake, my co-founder and I, you know, he might be Scotty Pippen to my Michael Jordan. I might be Scotty Pippen to his Michael Jordan. Depends on how you look at it. Even though LeBron's the GOAT, but hey, we'll, we'll digress. Um, but, you know, it, it really gave us this opportunity to kind of see and build a company and do some good around it. And, you know, and fast forward to today, where we're helping, you know, over 1,200 communities, seeing some just like stories that would give you goosebumps, which is, I think Kyle's got a lot of those too. And I know this is a very long-winded story. So I apologize for that. And your, and your listeners here. Yeah. It's just been, uh, I forgot the original question. So I'm just going to stop talking and pass it to Kyle here. Oh, good. That was a wonderful background. I appreciate it, Matt. Uh, can we just backpedal for a second? Shelby, did you say you go to museums and dance? Like you have dance yeah. parties in museums? Yeah. I went with a friend to New York and we went to, I'm not going to remember the name of it, but it was basically a color museum and it was really fun. And, you know, it was a very experiential color immersion experience and it was beautiful. I recommend it to everybody. It was so much fun. We found it from a QR code in the subway, um, but they had a silent disco and they had probably five or six different sound options by genre. And it was a very, um, I don't know how else to describe it besides like 70s vibe, mirrors and carpet everywhere kind of room. It was very orange brown when you think of like the 70s. Um, and it was so fun. And there was kids in there, there were older folks in there and everybody was vibing, but you take off the headphones and it's dead silent. And all you hear is the shoes squeaking on the floor. But yes, I do like to go to museums and 
express my physical physical worm you know <laughs> I I love that and I love like Matt has showed so many videos uh, I know we can't show any of them here of older adults doing the same thing right and like this is what's beautiful about music and the gift of hearing is that if you, if you can really engage with music like you, no matter what age you are if you want to dance you're going to find a way to dance and it's such a beautiful thing to be able to do uh, I've seen okay. I've seen so many residents get impacted firsthand by Eversound. And, um, yeah, I'm just what, touching, what you guys are doing right? is amazing, Matt. What'd you say? It's touching. You know, it's, it's, it's close to home and it can be personal for anybody, which is totally. why I'm so excited about all of this. So totally. what about you, Kyle? What's your story? Yeah, my story is um very, very uh tied to older adults first and foremost. So growing up, I grew up, actually, Matt and I grew up not too far from each other in upstate New York. And I used to spend a lot of time volunteering at a local senior living community. We didn't do dance parties. We didn't do VR. Uh, what we used to do is we used to go in and scoop ice cream for residents. And it was a really, really delightful opportunity. Um, I also grew up super close with my grandparents. And then I went to school and I studied a couple of things, but um, in order to do the program that I was in, I had to do research. And so I did research in neuroengineering with uh, primate model, which was interesting, uh, but not always easy. And then I did research in cognitive decline in the aging population with uh, an older adult model. And got to spend a lot of time with older adults. And no part of research is easy, but the conversations with them is always uh, just like the best part. And unfortunately, my college career was bookended by losing both of my grandmothers. Um, and my second grandmother, uh, senior year, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And that started the process for my family of navigating what care and aging can look like. Um, and similar uh, to Matt, like it, it didn't go well. And the transition into a full-time community was not what we were hoping for. And I think every single family member, right? They, they make that decision with the best intention, but if the community isn't set up as more than a healthcare building, right? The, the risk is, is it's real. And so that, that really led to a big part of why we do what we do, which is to empower senior living communities to build authentic human connection and to really focus on how they can provide a strong like psychosocial model towards better quality relationships within their communities, which again, all research points there, right? If we, if we go through the research on social isolation, uh, it's tied to 30% increase in risk of heart disease and stroke, 50% increase in risk of dementia. It has ties to immunosuppression, it has ties to diabetes and depression, anxiety and suicide, and collectively is as detrimental to one's health as smoking 15 cigarettes per day. And just a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. Surgeon General announced it as like the next epidemic that, that we're facing that we really need to be tackling. And that obviously has just been increased throughout the past few years of the pandemic. And so anything that we can do to empower people to build relationships uh, is important. And so we built out this company on this understanding that if we can give people access to the world and we can give it to them in a shared space, uh, for us, a, an immersive shared space, then we can get these connections and these moments of, of like sparked joy and wonder and awe and laughter. And we can use that to cultivate a full relationship. So that's, that's what we train our senior living communities to do. They'll host these group sessions in VR. Well, they'll, they'll do anything. You name it. We probably have it uh, on our endeavor. And then from that, they coach and nurture a full scale kind of social environment that then leads to, you know, better, like they'll, they'll go and sit down at lunch together, they'll go and have dinner together and just keep working on that relationship. And all of this stuff, right? If, if you're listening, you don't really understand senior living, you don't understand this industry, it might sound kind of far-fetched, right? Like 
how are you using VR to empower people to make relationships? Like that's not how we understand VR. Uh, but we have research that shows that after just two weeks of daily shared experiences, we have statistically significant decreases in depression scores and increases in the feeling of trust between individuals, which we all understand as the core element to any new relationship, right? It has direct ties to oxytocin, uh, which we know is human connection hormone. Uh, so th there is a body of evidence behind what both Matt and I do. And uh, I think it's, it's an interesting space for anybody to kind of lean into and learn about. I'm glad you brought up the research because that is kind of a segue I wanted to get into. And, you know, when I first met you two at the technology for senior living event put on by our Granger Cobb Institute, I don't know that I had the opportunity to get into this, but when you think about the older population, you don't exactly tie that to being tech savvy or interested in using the types of technology that you're talking about today. Um, do you want to touch on that a little bit before I kind of do a spiel about what our research is about in this sector? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. So I think, you know, tech savviness has always kind of been uh, equated to older adults, uh, you know, living in senior living communities. And I think, you know, when I think of my grandmother, that was definitely true. You know, she definitely struggled with technology, but I think there's this new wave of people that are coming in where some of these senior living communities are struggling to keep up the Wi-Fi bandwidth because everybody wants to stream Netflix now and FaceTime with their grandkids. So I do think the resident is changing. And I do think too that, you know, we're getting hit in our face every single day by from technology and, and more and more people are are finding that it can be helpful and it's not a, a nuisance. I mean, granted, there's still things out there people are struggling with, but I think as technology has been built to be super simple for people that are, are older, we're starting to see tech adoptions really on the rise now and that it's it's been really cool to see. Yeah. And, you know, I also, a lot of, a lot of my personal research here at what we, what we do, but um, lends to that, you know, it, it could be a generational thing. It could just be the fact that some of the folks who want to use technology were never brought up in the era that it was naturalized to them or, you know, native. Well, actually I should rewind back to my master's. I very similarly, Kyle, um, have always had a very close connection with my grandparents. I volunteer at the senior center here in Pullman on a regular basis. It's it's a part of who I am. I love them. And um, I really enjoy the relationships that we can have. But my senior year of college, I knew I wanted to go to grad school. I knew I wanted to do research. And senior living was kind of that for me. I was set out on the destiny of trying to figure out how we could improve senior life through buildings and what that really meant, whether that was programming, um, whether that was activities and social connection, but really came down to how the building was designed. And that's talking about like new construction and then also renovating older facilities. My graduate year was actually also bookended with my grandfather passing away. So I needed to take some time away from that and I processed and it really came down for me also looking at the scale of, I called it the scale of rurality of how somebody who lived in a city had a very different senior living experience than someone like my grandparents who lived, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and how that affected their accessibility to not only amenities, but also like healthcare and timely doctor appointments and going shopping and having their friends come to visit. But it turns out that now that my grandma's, she's still doing well and she's still on her own, but she's very socially isolated. And it's taken her a lot of time to figure out ways that work for her 
in order to connect with people. So that's very close to home to me as well. But most recently, summer of 2021, I, I had the opportunity, we received a small grant from Nancy and Darcy, shout out to them because they're amazing. And they sent me out to nine different senior living communities. I got to interview 65 people over the age of 65 for almost an hour and a half each. So the, the point of having these meaningful conversations with people um, and asking them what they need and asking them about their environment, how does it work for them? How does it not? A lot of those stories of people saying, you know, I'd love to use technology, but I really need an instructions manual. I just need to have somebody be patient enough with me to walk me through it and I'll be fine. And I also heard stories of people saying, you know, my husband doesn't want to participate in this study. He really has a lot to share. So here are his notes, but he's going deaf. And this would have been a very frustrating experience for him. So I'm sitting here for this interview that I don't really want to do, telling you all of the things that he wants to tell you, just because it's it's more of a burden for them. And I did get to meet him and he was lovely. And it's a restricting factor. You know, you think about accessibility in terms of ADA and getting through doorways and having roll-in showers. And we're talking about the construction of these places, but we don't always consider auditory or vision needs or people actually being comfortable in their spaces, whether it's too hot or too cold and understanding how to alter that to be comfortable. So that's a long, long rant of the story. But um, do you guys want to talk a little bit more about like the future of how you see these technologies and what you your products offer integrating into you know programming and what that potentially could be in the future? You know, they talk about or they have activities coordinators, or they have you know activity rooms, and how does how does what you guys offer really shape into what that will be in the future as we kind of look forward to the future of senior living? Yeah, you know, I think it's a big question and it's a, it's a fun question um, because we both have a lot of experience deploying these and seeing such success with adoption and usage. And, you know, Matt already gave a good old shout out to our good friend, Bingo. Uh, Bingo will never go away, right? A lot of people love Bingo. I think what gets really old is calling bingo, right? Like I, I've talked to so many staff members of communities who have to call out bingo every single day and they dread it. Residents might love it, but they dread it. And uh, in general, just like just like your story, Shelby, just like kind of why Matt and I are doing what we're doing, there's a reason people come and work in this industry. And it's probably not to call out bingo numbers. Uh, and specifically on the activity side or, or the life enrichment side or the engagement side, it's really about doing what we're here to talk about, which is building human connection and empowering people to have a more thriving lifestyle. And that comes down to wanting to use tools like Rendever and tools like Eversound to help residents really like spark and live and to bring joy and like all the positive things that you want to feel when you think about your own grandparents aging. That's what these communities are here to do. And so I think that's why technologies like Rendever and technologies like Eversound are getting adopted so so uh, so widespreadly is because it goes, it plugs right into what it is that we're all here to do, which is to provide a better quality of life for older adults. Uh, on the flip side, like when we talk about ROI, and Matt, maybe you can maybe you can uh, jump in on this part of the conversation, but there, there's a very, very obvious reality that as family members, we also want the best for our grandparents. 
And when we're looking towards communities to take over the care side, we also want to make sure they're getting high quality of life. And family members are, are not looking for uh, bingo when they're deciding which senior living community that they want, right? But when they see a group of residents uh, standing on top of the Eiffel Tower using Rendever, or they see uh, a couple in the community dancing to their old wedding songs while wearing Eversound headphones, they see an opportunity to live and to thrive. And, and that's what senior living is here to sell and needs to sell to keep capturing the aging market. Yeah. And one, one thing I'll add to that, you know, is, is I kind of see the digital landscape and especially with like Uniguest coming in and, and kind of their, their vision is definitely creating like this digital engagement suite, because I think when you think of technology, right, it should be there to make your life easier and make your life better. And I think where I see a really unique opportunity in senior living communities, you know, you used to be very limited of like, what was taking place in that activity room? What were you bringing in, you know, material objects, whatever it might be, someone coming in and an entertainer coming in. But I think if you look at products such as, as Eversound, products such as Rendever, it's how are we bringing the world into these communities now? How are we giving them the tools to, you know, go? I, I know I've seen some of the videos with Rendever of, you know, people who were born in China and were able to go through Google Earth and in the Rendever platform, able to go and see like where they grew up, which is just like, how powerful is that for someone who probably thought they would never have that experience again? But it's it's no longer confining us to, you know, what what thing is right here it's what's out there and how can we bring it in and, and technology i think really plays that role to really give these meaningful experiences because i think as we get older unfortunately those experiences become fewer and further between you know i think of my grandmother right stuck in her bed blasting her television you know that that was it right but if there's opportunities to make the world it's not so small anymore and really open that up to them um i think that's where technology really plays that role and to your point about like vision and stuff you know of course there's the vr platform with endeavor but there's also like some of the really cool stuff that com companies are doing such as uniguest now with like digital signage and really to really maximize that experience with that and it's been cool to see how that's continued to evolve and i know with uniguest right it's how can we make things easier for people in the communities? Because I think with technology, there's all these different platforms, all these different dashboards. And how can we give someone just the tool for one thing and trying to set them up for success there as well? And when I think of the ROI, right? I think when a lot of people are top of mind of building census right now, and it's, you know, it's like every week we hear communities are picking communities over others because they're investing in technology. They're investing in this engagement tech. They, they know, they've seen the research around social isolation. They've seen the research around the hearing loss. And how are they being proactive to find solutions that's ultimately, ultimately going to improve quality of life? Can I just say, you guys are the best wingmen for each other. I, you keep talking, Matt, about Rendever and Kyle, you keep echoing and I just really think it's a beautiful friendship you guys have and on the point of technology in buildings too you know we heard a lot in our interview study about communities going through and doing massive renovations for the infrastructure needed for things like this and Matt as you were saying they need to increase their broadband they need to have internet access people want to have their Alexas to make their life easier and if we're able to employ that technology in a way that empowers people that's really the goal here, isn't it? And I also was thinking, 
I didn't actually introduce this at the beginning of the podcast, which in retrospect, I probably should have, but the podcast is titled Building Heroes, and Heroes is an acronym for Healthy, Energy Efficient, Resilient Occupants, um, and you can take that one way or you can take that another. I think in the building science world, we talk about, you know, training building occupants to be more energy efficient, but it also is in the terms of making buildings more resilient so that the occupants don't have to be trapped into a certain cycle or a certain way of life that is limiting to them or could potentially limit their, you know, comfort and ability to have a pleasant life. Um, so I wanted to throw that in there. And if you guys have any thoughts of how, how your technologies and how your experience could potentially make people more resilient in the long term. Um, I know each of you have um, some interest in like the memory care side of things, how, for example, Rendever can um, bring people back to like their childhood home. What is the impact of that like as individuals and resiliency wise, how does that help them stay happy longer? Yeah, there's a lot that I think we could talk about here. I just read a really interesting article about how resiliency as a team, right? We all know that there's a real big workforce uh, crisis happening across so many industries right now. Healthcare definitely one, senior living definitely one, technology definitely one. And um, there, the, the article that I was reading just tied very neatly team resilience to team bond. And I think like, I've seen this within my team, Matt, I'm sure you have too, right? Like if you're able to have like a, a culture that really creates like interpersonal bonds, by nature, your team is set up to be more resilient when things get tough. And like part of building startups is understanding that there will be ups and downs and things will get tough. And I think that that translates really neatly to communities, right? Any sort of technology that either helps people build bonds or helps people remember why they're doing what they're doing on a daily basis, that it's worth its weight in gold, right? And if occupancy starts to dip or if acuity starts to rise or if, if there are other pressures that are facing a building, you need resiliency, right? You need to be able to get through that dip. And I think what is beautiful about uh, these technologies is it just creates these spaces where people get to spend time together uh, remembering their why and remembering what is possible in their day-to-day. -day. And I think that that translates really neatly um, not only to the residents themselves, but also to the staff members, which in this industry are so critical to what it means to be a healthy building. Great answer. Thank you, Kyle. And like I said, you know, we are majorly very energy people, but it comes down to we build buildings for human beings. We build buildings that are able to facilitate life. Um, a lot of the work that I do personally calls out those options and buildings that don't do that very well. But yeah, I, I think if we're working with people in order to improve their quality of life, in order to give them a sense of purpose and give them a sense that they have meaningful memories to look back on, they have meaningful experiences to still look forward to, um, that's, that just lights a candle in my heart. So thank you for that, Kyle. That's kind of the end of my topics list. Was there anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we kind of summarize and wrap this up? I really want to hear from Matt more about uh, the, the the future. What why like you just got acquired, which is such a big moment for any founder. Like, what what are you excited about uh, going forward? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, Kyle. Thank you. I think what I'm most excited about, you know, I, and I think it, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but. 
again, there's, I think a lot of technology companies that are looking to jump into this space, you know, they're reading about the demographics, you know, and if, if you're not familiar, there's, they've got all the buzzwords, right. The silver tsunami and all this stuff. And I think there's more and more technology companies that are, are trying to build a product and get it into the space and, and make as much as money as possible. Uh, that's kind of the, you know, business 101, right. Um, but what I think I'm most excited about for, for companies like Unigas, right, who have this vision of, of bringing some of the best companies together to really try and make life easier for the staff. I think they are, you know, we talk about heroes. They're definitely some of those heroes. They're probably a different acronym for them. But it's just how do we make their quality of life? We, we talk about residents' quality of life, and that's definitely important. But what I think we sometimes miss and people forget to talk about, we need to make the quality of life for the staff great too because if we can make their quality of life that much better that in turns will make the residents life that much better as well because you know happy employees lead to happy residents and when i look at technology and what role that can play especially you know after getting acquired and, and being now in this product suite is you know it's one stop shopping right it's it's one person to reach out to it's one phone number it's one email that can do a million different things for what you're trying to do within your organization and again speaking to that that quality of life of the staff is, is what we're trying to do. And it's what we're trying to be about. I love what you just talked about, the, the link between resident happiness and staff happiness, right? Like I, I think the entire industry, anybody who works in this side of, of healthcare knows just how important workers are and knows how big their hearts are and knows what the crisis has been coming out of the pandemic. And like, it's so many people in the industry are talking about, like, how do we really fix staffing challenges. And it, it again, it does come down to like what makes them happy and why do they do what they do? And I think one of the beautiful things about this industry is that when the residents are happy, the staff are happy. And when the staff are happy, the residents are happy. And when the residents and the staff are happy, the families are happy. And therefore the family satisfaction scores go up, resident satisfaction scores go up, and the home office is happy because their building is turning into what we all want, which is a true community. And I think anybody who's looking in this space needs to understand that building for multiple stakeholders, it's, it's not like the challenge of senior living, it's the opportunity of senior living. So that's actually how you get things to shift in the direction that we want. Right. And population-wise, you know, I was, I was actually giving a presentation about this yesterday. But the senior living demographic as a whole is expected to what, double in the next, you know, 50 years, 40 years? The figure I'm thinking of is that the population percentage in America is, is going to be almost 25%, which historically it hovers between 10 and 15, right? Um, and the sheer number of buildings and communities that we want to build is going to have to increase. So there are timely conversations to have, right? You know, in the design construction world, we talk a lot about, you know, commercial buildings and healthcare buildings and community centers and educational centers and housing is all very separate things. More frequently, we're seeing mixed-use buildings, especially in like urban settings, but talking about senior living or care for older adults in general, whether that's in a formalized community or at home or in a cabin in the middle of the mountain, I think it really comes back to building community and how can we create a network around either an individual or a group of individuals to make life more meaningful, to, to have those human connections, to make sure that people are feeling like they're a part of something, right? Yeah, and I think what you just said is, is so true, Shelby, right? There's so much rise in uh, mixed use opportunities 
And I think for anybody who's listening, like senior living doesn't have to be separate. And honestly, it shouldn't be, right? Like the, the older adult demographic is such a core part of our overall societal makeup that any opportunity to build spaces for for older adults to feel like they're welcome and feel like there, there is some purpose behind them entering creates an opportunity to build a, a better building and a more inclusive building. And it, and it shouldn't go without saying that I think it's like 51% of the total spending in the United States is done by people who are 55 and older. And ignoring them as you're thinking about construction and design and building, it, it isn't helping anybody. It's the economy. <laughs> it's a lot bigger of a of a conversation. And, you know, when you walk into a community with all of these interviews I did, I heard some folks saying, you know, the front desk people, they know my birthday. They know who I am as a person. They know what my career was. They know my children. When you walk into a community, you can tell that things are going really well, just based on the overall demeanor or walking in and sensing the vibe, as some would say. And you can also walk into somewhere, you know, like, ooh, things are tight. There are strange conversations happening. And I just think it's an interesting perspective that I had the opportunity to have, you know, going in and talking to so many individuals. But also so many of them were telling me, you know, I have my grandkids and they come and visit all of the time. But otherwise, if I didn't, I haven't seen another child or somebody under the age of 18 in the years that I've lived here. And I think that's a massive disservice and a lot of them were telling me that they feel super disconnected from society. So I appreciate that, Kyle, of talking about inclusion and equity in not only just the social structures that we have on a daily basis, but in a societal sense as far as the entire country and the world. In so many different countries or nations, they, they treat their seniors or older family members very differently, um, which I find to be interesting. That's kind of the target of our next leg of our research. Yeah. And listeners, if you, if you haven't had any other big action items or big aha moments, let, maybe we end with the action item to call your grandparents. They would love to hear from you. Call your grandparents, call your mom, call your dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody. Whoever that, it is. Whoever. Your neighbor is. next door. Well, thank you, Matt and Kyle, for being a part of this and having such a fruitful conversation. Is there anything you'd like to end on or wrap up? I know we talked about some very big hitting topics today. What's your closing statement? I think in terms of closing statements, right? I mean, I just think there's a really unique opportunity to continue to improve quality of life. And we think of, you know, senior living as an industry, if it's something you're not familiar with, get familiar with it. I mean, if you're, if it's something where you feel like you don't know what you want to do with your life, I felt that very same way. And then once I found senior living, I've, I've found my people these could be your people too. So not to take any way away from studying anything else here, Shelby, but uh, come say hello to senior living. Yeah, I would echo that. And I would echo that uh, in the grand journey of finding like what makes you passionate, what makes you excited to wake up every day, there is a good chance that you'll find that in senior living, especially if you if you have a lifelong connection to the aging process. And if you don't, just keep building towards something that is more inclusive and doesn't make age be a distinguishing factor or that doesn't make age be an exclusionary factor and call your grandma and call your grandma and call Call your grandma grandma. well thank you matt and kyle um i will do my best to include as many links in our companion document that you can find on our website if you want to learn more about their respective companies and endeavors uh their ever endeavors kyle and matt i hope 
see you guys again out here soon. I know it's it's always a pleasure to have such wonderful partners. Yeah, can't wait. Missing that cougar gold cheese. Pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? It is. Thanks so it's much for hosting this, Shelby. Thank you.